Hello listeners, and welcome to episode 243 of the Spoiler Alert Podcast, brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. This is Mike, I'm here with Danny, and tonight we're going to be discussing the uh, Academy Award nominated for Best Picture and lots of other stuff, directed, produced, written by Alfonso Cuaron, semi-autobiographical film, Roma. Danny, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Mike. That was quite an introduction for this film. Yeah, I should have really... prepared something for that. Yeah, you might yeah. Want... Yeah. <laughs> next episode maybe write just kind of wait like two, it. Yeah, two words down. <laughs> yeah, this thing is up for ten Academy Awards. Yeah. Uh, so the award that you know the the nominations are out, and I, before I want to get your reaction to the nominations, but I just want to quickly get your your take. I'm really surprised. Well, not surprised. I'm. No, I'll go with surprise. I'm surprised that the, the Academy is going hostless. You know, Kevin Hart was in, then he was out, then he was toying with coming back in, and it just became so radioactive that nobody wanted to touch it, so there's no host. Wait, I didn't know Kevin Hart was thinking about coming back. Was there, like, a potential that maybe he'd still do it uh, and the you, Academy was going to... I, I don't know how you missed this stuff. Yeah, I don't, he was I don't interviewed by this. Ellen, and Ellen was telling him, we, we'd love to have you, and we can tell she can tell that he's grown, and she was basically speaking for the whole LGBTQ community. Oh, interesting. And then immediately after that, a bunch of people from the LGBT community were like, who are you, Ellen, to, like... <laughs> To speak Clear for him. all of us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right, right. So apparently the world was not cool with Kevin Hart. Gotcha. And he read the tea leaves accurately and did not really come back. But he was floating a lot of test balloons out there that he was he was open to it. But no one no one else stepped up. And then the Academy asked us and we weren't available. We're, we're podcasting. Yeah, right? yeah, we're busy. So, yeah. so I, that wasn't going to happen. And so then there was nobody else. So there's no host, which, you know, the, I guess the first reaction you had was, boy, it'll go quicker, but will it? Yeah, I you guess. Know, they can, it's not like they're just going to, like, start the music and immediately hand out an award. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Everybody's going to have a little shtick that they get to do. Every presenter is going to probably get an extra minute of, they're of stupid banter. They're still going to have some sort of monologue, and, right? Yeah. Someone's going to come out and do a couple of gags. Someone's going to sum up the year in movies. Or worse they still, just... it'll just be like the Academy president comes out and gives a five-minute, oh. like... Just droning on spiel. Yeah. yeah. Great start to the show. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I still, my my gut says this show is still going 20 minutes over no matter what they do. Okay. Even right. though they're only going to let two of the songs be performed. And, the, you know, this is the year where they're they're trying to shut some, uh, shove some of the uh, awards to the commercial breaks. Yeah, okay. And there's no host, but I still think the show is going to go long. It just, that's, that's interesting. I... Uh, so I forgot about I, I do remember hearing about them doing some of the awards over the commercial breaks and f- had forgotten about that. So that should conceivably speed things up. How do you pick the two songs that get to be performed? Like talk about getting screwed if you're one of the other three nominees. Like that's, it's just gonna be Lady insulting. Gaga and you know one other song, probably the Mary Poppins like, one or something. one from Black Panther or something. Yeah. So you get Kendrick Lamar and they're like, oh All right, yeah, that's enough. Yeah, 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 good point. Boy, looking at the the nominations though, it's a real tale of two cities here. You've got Black Panther, the first comic book movie ever to be nominated for an Academy Award, right. more than a billion dollar gross worldwide, huge film, and yet the front runner and one of the films with the most nominations is Roma, which we'll be talking about tonight, a black and white foreign film with l- almost no box office at all since it debuted on Netflix. Right. 
I mean, it was launched in like two theaters to to qualify for yeah. awards. Yeah. But I mean, you you can't get more extreme than that. You can't get, you know, I mean, a couple of years ago, like The Hurt Locker, I think, still might be the lowest grossing Best Picture of all time. Right. Correct. I mean, but Roma could could win it and have like yeah. twenty four grand. You know, but it's it's squaring off against a billion dollar comic book movie. You know, when when we reacted to the nominations, I think your reaction was just sort of meh, like not a lot to get excited about out here. And, and I I think I in general share that sentiment. I think what stood out to me is the incredible low number of nominated films. There's only fifty two nominated films, which sounds like a lot, but then you think fifteen of those are short films, right? Sure, and so. 52 is the lowest number of nominated films that I can remember in a long time. They didn't do a lot really? here to spread the love. I, I just found the the number of nominees in general pretty low. Not having seen Black Klansman at the time the nominees came yeah, out, I was a yeah. little surprised that that had so many and, and big ones. I mean, picture, director, that's Well, that's, that's coming huge. up for us. That's one of our next, uh, next right. few episodes here. Yep. Yep, and ideally we'll get that in before the Academy Awards. Uh, but tonight we're talking about Roma, and this is, uh, as you mentioned, Alfonso Cuarón's *Labor of Love*. He wrote it, he directed it, he was the cinematographer, he was the editor. I'm pretty sure he catered it. I think he took care of all the animals. Right. I think he did. Made sure none of them were armed. Right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right. It was a period piece, so he he loaned everybody like his old cars. So he was sort of, like the <laughs> the stunt coordinator. Uh, and he plays the maid, which is weird because she's nominated for Best Actress. Right, right. So it's crazy. He really did a lot. Now, I, I'm going to give you a, the tightest plot recap in the, just saying that this is a uh, the story of, and it's been described as, the story of a middle-class family in Mexico and uh, sort of what's happening in their life coincidentally with the life of one of their nannies, I guess, or servants. Mm-hmm. Um and that's it. That's the story. But now let me tell you what happens in this movie. Um, these are the things that happen in this movie. There's an earthquake in a maternity ward. There is a dog constantly. There is a fire that breaks out on New Year's Eve, during which a guy in a ghillie suit pensively sings at the camera while rich people drink martinis and the, and the, the, the staff tries to put out the fire. There's a guy shot out of a cannon. A woman is rebuffed by her deadbeat boyfriend at a martial arts academy. There's a, a trip to a crib store which turns into a murderous riot and ends in a killing in the baby crib store. Thousands of women apparently go into labor at the same time and at the same place. There's a point where the mother, the matriarch of the family tells the children that she and her husband are getting a divorce immediately after they're having ice cream next to a wedding party breaking out. Um, This movie has more weird crap happening than just about any movie I've ever seen. And yet it's like watching paint dry. And that's Roma. Buddy, what did you think of it? I really liked this movie. I enjoyed it immensely. You know, I think really? that, Yeah, I did. And I was I was sucked into the film from the get-go. From like minute 2, I I can't recall sitting in a cinema watching the silver screen and seeing anything as beautiful 
in a long, long time. I think that this now, movie. I think that this movie is going to. Our listeners cannot see this monumental eye roll, but this is for you. Ugh. This I, movie looks fine. People are like drooling and ba- like fawning over how it looks. It's fine. It's a black and white movie. Did you it's see Mexico? Did, did you see this movie on your iPad on a plane, or did you go to a theater and see it in a theater? Oh, I saw it as it was intended. I streamed it on Netflix. Yes. <laughs> And as it was intended, let's and I, be clear about and that. I, I can't believe, and, and and so to your point earlier, I can't believe that the movie is doing this well, given that that's how most people are going to have seen the film is streaming it on Netflix. Like if you've got a large TV, it probably looks a little bit better than it does on your phone if you're watching it there. But I think that in the cinema, it looked breathtaking. See, I'm glad you saw it theatrically, and I saw it streaming because I think this is. This was a terrible movie to watch streaming. I can't. I, I agree. I, I, I can't believe how that it much would have time been good. was left in this movie. Fifty-five times. <laughs> I could not wait for this movie to get over. Um, I was so bored. I was wishing I was doing anything other than watching it, and I I was so annoyed the whole time, thinking, "What is everyone so gaga about this movie? It looks fine. It's fine, but it is so boring." And Quaron keeps the entire movie at arm's length. Halfway through the movie, it's still like, are there any characters in this movie? Is there anyone that we're really supposed to give a crap about? Whose story is this really? Because it's not really the maids. It's not really the wife. It's not really the kids. It's not really Mexico. It's just, you're just like a, a fly on the wall, just watching life go by. And it's about that exciting. Being a fly on the wall watching the life go by. I was so bored. I'm I'm actually really sad to hear that, though I have to imagine watching this on a computer is not going to be anywhere as interesting as watching it theatrically. And I think that nine times out of ten, that's the case. Like, how, how many movies are better on a small screen than they are on the big screen? But I'm telling you... An hour and a half into this movie, I had to pee so bad, but I didn't want to miss a frame of it because I thought it was... You were like, if I leave, something will happen that could move the story <laughs> for her or that would be interesting or that would that would engage me. But I don't want to miss that because I've already sat through 90 minutes of scenery oh. that looks fine in black okay. and white. Um, you know, I, I think that you've got a point about keeping it at arm's length. I think that I, I think that's a valid concern I'll, I'll address that in a moment but i i do think that this is one of those movies that does make you feel something i think that it's a an intimate look into the lives of at least a few of the characters i think cleo the maid primarily but it just felt real and i say that knowing full well that just bonkers stuff was happening this whole time but it's a semi-autobiographical film that the director you know this has been his labor of love forever I have to think at least half these things at some point in his life he recalls happening. I feel like he was trying to capture a dreamlike quality where it's it's semi-autobiographical, but it's more like the way I remember my childhood. And I remember a guy getting shot out of a cannon. And I remember a totally naked man doing kung fu with the shower rod and i remember no, he wasn't crib in shopping he w- become he a riot there. 
become a riot where someone gets shot in the face in in the crib store. Um, it just felt like he got a sense that, like, you know what? There's nothing really happening that's moving the, b- the ball forward in any meaningful way. Right. So I got to have something happen. Like, I'll just have an earthquake happen when they're standing outside the maternity ward. For no reason. It lasts one minute. Everything's fine. And no one talks about it. And we just all move on. I'll just have the forest start on fire on New Year's Eve because that's something. And then for some reason, there's a guy in a ghillie suit. And the and the camera will What's turn a ghillie to suit? him. I don't recall a ghillie. A ghillie suit, suit is um like what a sniper wears when they're like crawling through the tall grass, oh, okay. so they're like, covered okay. in grass. Okay. And the guy takes his weird hat off, and then he just sort of pensively stares into the camera and sings morosely, while everyone else tries to to put out a fire. So like even there's a scene where like well something's happening. The forest is burning down. But we don't really know why, and we don't know if they ever put it out, and we don't know if anything's really damaged because we're stuck watching a guy <laughs> singing. singing in some yeah. weird language. Right. It wasn't even Spanish. It was yeah. like he was like Scandinavian or something. Yeah, right. I think it was Norwegian. It was, yeah. Yeah. Very, very strange. And I just, I just couldn't, I couldn't get into this. I couldn't wait for it to be over. It just felt like this. You've got to be kidding me. This is and this is the the type of movie. This is the. Crap that when people hear about the Academy Awards, they hear, okay, what got nominations? Some Netflix movie no one's ever heard of. Ten nominations. They're going to try and sit down. They're not going to make it ten minutes into this movie. And they're going to think, here's another nail in the coffin of why the Academy is so (laughs) out of touch. And film critics are so in love with themselves that they can't – this can't be a movie. This is not a movie that we as a – Film-going community will unite around. This isn't a best picture where we have a shared experience and we all saw it and experienced it and can appreciate it. This is like, you guys do what you got to do, but this this is gonna this is why people are gonna go check out Hobbs and Shaw, Though, the Fast and Furious coming the, up this summer. Were, well, I think they were going to anyway. I mean, they'll and they'll lament the fact that that wasn't nominated for best picture. This the nominations are all over the place. The maid, who, the woman who played Cleo, was very good. Uh-huh. She was very good. I, I think she was fine. She wasn't given enough to do, and this arm's length feel didn't really let me connect to her in any way. She felt like background music the whole. Everyone felt like background music. Well, yeah. fair enough. I, um, I really liked the the character of Cleo, scene by scene, watching her. You know, just through her normal routine, managing to keep this family kind of on their feet a little bit you know she's poor she's pregnant and single and somehow is best suited to help everyone sort of felt right i liked that character i felt like she was somebody to root for i really enjoyed it as as banal and weird as some of the stuff as banal as one moment was contrast it with the next five minutes that are somebody getting shot out of a cannon or a forest fire on on new year's eve I was never once bored in this film. That is so surprising. Even the camera work. So the cinematography is getting rave reviews. It looks so gorgeous, man. It's beautiful. Quaron would just set a camera up. It stares straight ahead. Something happens in front of it. It's not really a scene because it's so arm's length. We're barely paying attention. And then for no reason, the camera just pans 90 degrees slowly at nothing for a minute. (laughs) <laughs> and then the scene changes. Like, and that happened over and over and over. 
Okay, she's doing the laundry on the roof. Okay, there's a scene with laundry. Nothing really happening there, but she's someone's doing something. And then we get a 90-second pan shot of rooftops quietly as planes go by. It was just agonizing. I think he's taking great lengths to capture every every moment that he can recall in his childhood but yeah i this is i felt like this was like a student film this is like a navel gazer like someone needs to tell this dude man you gotta sharpen this up you gotta all right you gotta find a character or a story or have things happen that someone cares about but this is this is like your home movies or this is you capturing I mean, this is what I sometimes I feel uh, I've been as frustrated watching some Lynch, David Lynch films as this, where it's clearly David Lynch had a dream or he's remembering a nightmare or it's fragments (laughs) of things. And and it makes sense to him and it evokes something in him. But I feel oddly detached from it. Mm -hmm. Um, But at least a lot of those are so dark and just unsettling that at least that comes through. I, yeah. I haven't really seen like a joyous David Lynch. Um, but I feel kind of the same where it's like, that's almost like a private movie that you make for yourself. Not one that you then try and sell me a ticket to. Well, you didn't pay for a ticket. I, I did not. Well, I, I pay for my subscription. So the marginal cost was zero. Right. I'll agree, but there is a cost, <laughs> but I just think this is just stunning that 10 nominations. I yeah. am floored by that and fr- and frustrated well what else did you like about it? you love the look of it you love the feel of it you love cleo you love the story you're 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 in it well i mean we're we're playing fast and loose with the word story because i i, I agree. agree with your take on on the plot in that I, I mean almost similar to manchester by the sea you could have summed up that plot in about two sentences and then rattled off a list of 40 things that happen. This this felt similar to that movie to me in a lot of ways. I'll tell you what, though, I do agree with part of keeping you at arm's length. I feel like the two parents in this film, we don't know at all. Like, clearly their marriage is strained. There's nothing exposition-wise about dad. He's I guess traveling for work. It seems like they're happy a happy couple, a happy family when he comes home. And then all of a sudden he's gone. And and I felt like both parents you don't get a look into them at all. Why why did this marriage end? What happened? There's actually some likable things about dad. Like late in the film, he's he he's trying to help Cleo when she's showing up to deliver her baby or at least offer her some comfort and be a kind friend to her. Clearly, he knows her, but I don't want to like him because you see him running around town with other women, and he's married. So, like, what what was that all about? That that was a a frustrating, somewhat important, you know, storyline here that you really get nothing into. I would also say the childbirth scene was probably the roughest five minutes of movie that I've ever watched. That was grueling and heartbreaking. It really was. Uh, it was unsettling and sad and unnecessary that the baby is just sort of left right next to her. Yeah. And yeah. again, the camera just sits there. And it friggin' looks real. What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What's up with that? What is up 
with Cleo's boyfriend doing the naked samurai scene with the shower rod in the hotel room. How is it possible that he could have fathered a child after doing that? Like, can can you can you just imagine dancing well, he around? Probably fathered the child first. I you think, you think so? Different. You think yeah. that was just that a, was po- a post-coitus uh, yeah. dance? All right. What's up with the dad pulling the car into their weird driveway tunnel? And it takes we get a full three minute sequence of him trying to park the car, but the car is just big enough that it's like constantly smashing into things or scraping the sides. Right. Or he's gotta be so careful not to. I so was you just hated like, that and I thought it was hilarious. Oh, I thought see, it was, I was so like, funny. Can we just skip past this? What's with what's up with how much the dog poops? I mean at one point the dad's like, hey, He's all mad that Cleo doesn't keep up with the dog. But then they keep showing this this long driveway, and there's like eight piles on it at any time. That dog must be eating like a six-foot party sub. They were not walking this thing. Like, they would just let it roam into the garage yeah, and poop in the carport. Yeah, but how much is it eating? I mean, it's yeah. like eight eight lumps of poop per <laughs> at, any, at any time. Constantly. That was like the one constant in the film is the dog was crapping. What's up with everyone talking about this being a middle-class family, but this middle-class family has at least three servants. I I only counted two, but... There was also the guy. There's, like, a guy who uh, sometimes he's a driver and a helper, and he's... I don't know. But, like, is it typical in 1970s Mexico to have three living servants for a middle-class family? Maybe in that village. I don't know. I I wondered the same thing. higher than middle-class. This feels like the upper crust. I wondered the same thing. Dad's doing a lot of business travel and mom's a chemist. That seems probably a little bit more than middle more class. More than middle class. That's yeah, yeah, like I agree. Upper class. What's up with them listening to Jesus Christ Superstar at the New Year's Eve party? Like, I I enjoyed the music choices a lot in this movie, but that one had me scratching my head. I just can't imagine on New Year's Eve having everybody over, getting a little tipsy, and rocking out to Jesus Christ Superstar. What's up with them having two dining rooms in their house? Oh, yeah. They have a kitchen, and then there's a dining room, and then immediately adjacent to that is a dining room. <laughs> is it, like is, one, is it, one more of a breakfast nook? No, each of them sat eight people. Okay. I counted the chairs. <laughs> right. I was like, why do you need seating for 16, but it's really two, two tables of eight? You already mentioned this one, but what's up with that guy doing the New Year's Eve, like, counting down the seconds while the field is burning? That... That I didn't quite get. Now, I thought that some of the rich people drinking martinis were also out there helping dump buckets of water. But that guy wasn't helping anybody. He was, he, like, he didn't want the party to end. He, it, forest fire be damned. What's up with how stupid these kids are? There's a scene where they're going to see a movie and they run ahead in a busy city, you know, and with the grandma and the pregnant maid who has to run after them to try and find them to make sure they're not getting abducted. <laughs> Then the mom says, don't go swimming because they're not good swimmers. And, of course, the freaking kids go swimming. <laughs> yeah, not bright. And then Cleo, who doesn't swim, wades has out and to, saves them. to rescue them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's not bright kids. And that should have been like a just like a gorgeous sequence. Instead, I was just like – I was so mad at Quaron. Like, why are you doing this to us? Why do I have to sit and, and either worry that these kids are about to drown and you're going to draw this out when I know these freaking kids are not going to drown? Why are you doing this to me? How much time is left in this movie for the 48th time? 
buddy, are you are you ready for five questions? As long as they're not about Roma, this movie's right. bad. Okay, all right. Five listener-submitted questions. Thank you, listeners. Why didn't they buy a smaller car? Well, they eventually did. They eventually did, yes. Yeah. Why, why did it take so long? I don't question, know. Qu- question number two. Would this movie have been better in color? Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's fine in black and white. I think it was uh, it was fine. Okay. I don't think people need to like fawn all over themselves like Gaga for it. It looks fine. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, question number three. Is this your favorite Yalitza Aparicio film? It is. It is okay. indeed. Okay. Yeah. So so you do like it a little bit. I said that she did very well and this all is right. her first role and she's nominated for best actress and I think she was very good. So all yes, right. out of all, all right. of her movies, it's my favorite. Okay. Cuz it's the all only right. one and I still hated it. <laughs> Question number 4. Apparently this this uh, listener did not like the movie either. Uh, during shooting, the film set one day was robbed. Do you wish that would have just shut it down? Yes. Okay. Wow. You, you just you wish that this movie had never come into existence. I'm, I think this movie being in existence is fine if it exists in Alfonso Cuaron's home theater. Okay. Because All he right. wants to share with his family what it was like for him as he sort of remembers his childhood. But isn't I Netflix think, a great way to release your your little pet project? Isn't you know? it great? It, I'm if, just going to I'm going to shoot some vacation footage and I'm just going to put it on Netflix. And then I'm going to expect the entire world's cinema elite to fawn all over me and hey, no, and hey, how, the world. How the world's cinema no elite choose to feel about a movie is not his doing. Oh, he, he made the movie. If they want to love it, they can love it. He didn't even put it out this theatrically. Is proof that it was Netflix. could do jack and they're going to fall over it. He's going to direct the next season of, like, CSI Miami, and they're going to give him an Academy Award. (laughs) All right. Uh, Final question. After Roma was nominated for Best Picture, AMC Theaters and Regal Cinemas both issued statements saying that it would not be a part of the lineup at either chain's annual Best Picture showcase. Why are they being such little bitches? I think they have every right to do that. And I I think that... When this movie likely takes home the best picture, this is the end of the movie-going experience. This is the death blow because, again, no one's going to care about this movie. 50 years from now, people are going to be like, what movie? What was this? Because uh, no one saw it because it was on Netflix, and it just it sucks. But, but of course, the, the irony there is that he's, he's releasing it in a way that makes it most accessible to the most people. Nobody can afford to go to the movies anymore, yet he's putting this one out for everybody in America who has a Netflix subscription, which is 90% of Americans, right? Like, I, I, he, So is this movie made he, for Americans? I wonder how. what's the Netflix penetration in Mexico? I don't know. No idea. Because it's also not being shown theatrically in Mexico. It's, it's a great where question. It, where it likely would be a, a larger box office success given his track record and his pedigree there. So, so I, now we've done five questions. Let me ask a question since you, since you said the comment that you think this could, this is the death knell for theatrical movie going. Why, why this movie? We've had 
straight to Netflix uh, releases in the past, and they've kind of been crapped on by the Academy. Like the Academy has generally looked down on those, yeah. even though they were critically sometimes you know well lauded, like like Beasts of No Nation. They were, they were kind of looked down on as a you're going to ruin the movie going experience. Movies are meant to be seen in theaters. Yeah. And, and despite all kinds of buzz talk throughout the award season and the film festival circuit, they, you know, nominations come and they get nothing. Why 10 for this one? Is it just a weak year for movies? Is it just that they are so in love with Alfonso Cuaron? What, what is it? I think it's both of those things and probably other factors. I, I think this is a weak, I mean, when you look at that lineup, I, I, I was underwhelmed. Well, for God's I mean, sake, you've got Black Panther as a Best Picture nominee. I agree. Yeah. I don't think that deserves to be nominated either. Right? I mean, you look across the nominee, the nominees in almost every category, and it's like, really? I haven't even heard I, of the Willem Dafoe movie that he's nominated for. I've right? never even heard of that one. Yeah. Right? I didn't think Vice deserves the nominations it got. That movie was okay at best. Yeah. I don't think that bohemian rhapsody deserves a best picture nomination oh, gosh, and the nominations no, it deserves no. i mean this just must ultimately when you look at it be a weak movie for a week, week year for movies and then you've got this filmmaker now and, and we're going to see more of this right uh scorsese's been working on a movie that's going straight to netflix for a couple of years um um i think it's called kill the irishman or, or something about the irishman it's got de niro and pesci and pacino in it and you know it, it'll either be a quiet film that hits Netflix and we don't talk about it or it'll be bird box and it'll be a big hit, but no awards love or people are going to fawn all over themselves. Cause it's Martin Scorsese. Right. I just, I feel like Quaron, like this will be played in and maybe it played in film festivals where people saw it on the screen. And maybe that theatrical experience really was so magical for them. Like you experienced, you really enjoyed it that they were, it just rode this wave of buzz and love and sort of pre-acceptance I think, though, that much like Moonlight, much like Spotlight, much like The Hurt Locker, this is going to be one of those pictures that should it win Best Picture, nobody you talk to will have ever seen. And if they've seen it, they saw it on Netflix and they turned it off halfway through because they got bored. And I think what does that say about Best Picture? Again, it's like this is not the movie that you put in the time capsule and send off and – there's no shared experience. It's just further fragment fragmentation of our sort of entertainment landscape. We don't have that shared experience anymore. It used to be everyone would have seen Best Picture. Yeah. What? What? Why do you feel that this winning would then be the end of theatrical movie going? Like, why do you feel like this is the death now? Because I feel like win or lose, that's coming regardless, right? I, I, I don't just, think I don't think I Roma winning Best of, Picture is going to do. It's not the it. end of the theatrical release. It's the end of. I guess this is the end of the shared experience that next year uh, the best winner, best picture is going to be something that some dude shot on a GoPro that was released onto YouTube that five people saw, whereas <laughs> there are movies that people shared and, and, and enjoyed and saw together and there were common experiences, but we're not going to talk about those because those were just pure popcorn and it was dumb. Well, I feel like unless it was Alandro Iñárritu who did it, it might it's be. probably not going it to work be, that way. Right? But- it's not going to be like it. you or me shooting on a GoPro and posting He's got to be YouTube. plotting his next picture, and it's probably <laughs> using a GoPro. Anyway, <laughs> clearly, I'm sorry. That, I'm sorry I crapped all of this movie because you liked it. I just, I'm salty that it's getting so much love, and I just think it is an inaccessible, um, totally dispensable, no story, not interesting, 
movie, and I think streaming is a terrible platform for it. Yeah. Maybe if I saw it in the theater, I would have given it I, – I would have been more invested, but I was – it was agony sitting through this. I couldn't wait for it to be done. I agree with you that streaming is is far from an ideal way to release this this movie or see this movie. Uh, who knows if you would have felt differently if you'd have sat in a theater and seen it. But uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I doubt that I would watch it again, though, because I don't want to watch it on, on an iPad. So th- this is one that I will have fond memories of and... I guess we'll see in the very near future if it uh, does take home that top prize. Buddy, what do we got coming up next? Well, coming up next, we do have a former Academy Award winner for Best Picture. It's Tom Jones starring your best friend and mine, Albert Finney. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.